0: Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church on this beautiful October day. Good morning. Good morning, and um, uh, happy birthday, I guess, of sorts, to all of us today. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but first, let me say uh, my name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here. And on behalf of all of us, whether you are joining us as you do every week or for the first time, we're glad that you could be together today. When we worship, we do so using a printed liturgy and words on the screen. Those hold the lyrics for the songs we're going to sing and the things that we're going to say together so that we all know how to follow along. I mentioned it already, but today is something of a special anniversary for us. 125 years ago, uh, some people gathered just down the street a little bit, and started worshiping together. And those people were the very first people of Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church, and they were our forefathers and mothers. and We are here today following in their footsteps, doing many of the same things. Today is a big anniversary, and today uh, we are full of stories, and also maybe food. I am actually still probably full from last night's dinner, to be honest. Um and that can be a little overwhelming, especially if you're new or a visitor, kind of like I am, right? And so if you are new with us today, uh or whether this has always been your family, it's good for us to remember that these these are not just our stories that we're telling and sharing and reliving. These are God's story. And each and every one of us is gathered up in that. And so it is right and fitting and good that for all the remembering that we're doing and the reminiscing that we should, we should come here in this place, in this room that turns us up so that the things that we are remembering and cherishing can come up to God in thanks and gratitude. The thing is that if you are new, please know that in God's story, there is always room for more. So friends, as we worship together today, a couple of quick notes. We're not going to be doing gospel formation today. Uh, After the service, please do stick around for fellowship. I believe, is there cake? Do I have that right? Yeah? And for coffee and for snacks. And um, also, we'll be celebrating communion. So for those of you, especially who are at home with us this morning, uh, we remember you. You are part of us. And if you haven't had a chance already to go ahead and gather some bread and wine or juice, please do that now, because we'll be sharing that together later. Friends, as we get started, would you please rise in body or in spirit? Let's worship.
1: I am James Admiral. I was the pastor here from 1976 to 1980, and I'm privileged now to call you to worship worship for you to join me in our call to worship. <clears throat> God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful.
2: He is a faithful Lord. He is coming to love to the thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands.
1: His faithfulness reaches to the skies and continues throughout all generations on into eternity. We therefore praise the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ in this assembly, saying,
3: Great is your faithfulness. We will exalt and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things. Great is your faithfulness to us, O Lord
4: our God. Let's sing together. God, we sing your glorious praise.
2: says, amen. Thank you so very much. My name is Bruce Dykstra. I was a pastor here from 1995 to 2005. Uh, In our remembering...
4: Excuse me, Pastor Bruce, you may be seated. (laughs) I
2: thought you were just standing for me. (laughs) Joking, joking. Uh, In our remembering, sometimes we remember moments that we don't want to remember. But because we have a merciful God, we can come before him and confess. And at this time, let's join together in a prayer of confession. Eternal and merciful God, you have loved us with a love beyond our understanding. And you have set us on paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We confess that often we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We've not loved our neighbors. We've not heard the cry of the needy. Us, we pray. Take a moment just to bow for a certain confession. Father, as we remember the lavish gift of your grace, we praise you and give you thanks that you forgive us yet again. Grant us now, we pray, the grace to die daily to sin and to rise daily to new life in Christ, who lives and reigns with you and in whose strong name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. My name is Ken
4: Nidam, and I was pastor here from 2004 to 2008. These are the words of assurance. These words of assurance are so important that we know that we are enfolded into the unconditional love of God forever. Hear the good news. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We believe that God, because of Christ's atonement, will never hold any any of our sins, nor our sinful nature, which we need to struggle against all our lives. Rather, in his grace, God grants us the righteousness of Christ to free us forever from judgment. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise again, now in body or in spirit, and let's sing of that hope that we have in Christ, our hope in life and in death. that we have, that we can extend God's peace to each other. So friends, the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. And let's share that peace with each other.
3: My young friends, it's time for you to come join me up here. If you are coming to Kid Street, come on up.
0: Preschool through second grade.
4: I'm so excited to see so many of you here.
3: People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your life. Stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever
1: love. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God.
5: I'm not sure I've ever seen quite that many children going down the Kid Street all at once. Wonderful to see. My name is Bill Viss. I was given the opportunity to pastor here from 1993 to 2003. I was here from 1993 to 2003. My name is Bill Viss. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for our church family and friends that have taken time out of their busy schedules to come and worship and celebrate this day with us. Lord, we pray that you watch over them as they travel home. But for today, we are grateful for them arriving safely, and together we gather to glorify your holy name. Because only you are worthy of our adoration. Only you are worthy of our praise. Only you are worthy of our obedience. Only you are worthy to be declared ruler, master of our lives. You have become that because you loved us so, and we ask that you will help us to love you in the same way. We thank you for your faithfulness to this congregation through a century and a quarter of its journey and its existence, giving your blessing and your presence in the times of great joy and in the times of great sorrow, strengthening us to face the challenges of each day. And Lord, we pray that You will help us to continue to rest in your grace, to follow your spirit, to be your servants. We celebrate last night's gathering, and we thank you that that you were with us as we remembered. And we ask that you will give us not just a spirit of remembrance, but of commitment as we look to the future and celebrate the opportunities that are before us in, in growing young and in joint discipleship and, and in so many ways of serving not just ourselves, but more importantly, serving our neighbors and our community. We, may we be a light in the middle of this Blackstone Valley. There are those among us who have suffered great loss, and we ask, Lord, that you will be powerfully in their hearts, sustaining them, Granting them courage. We, we struggle with the reality of physical death, whether of unborn children or aged parents, Lord, and the losses are so real. We experience relational breakdowns from longtime friendships that, for whatever reason, break, and marriages that shatter, and the damage it does to us, to our children. We experience financial reverses, whether through job loss or forced shutdowns. But through it all, you have given us our need from hour to hour and minute to minute. And for this, we give you praise. We also face the reality of illness. For some of us, it is a day by day and hour by hour reality. We have chronic arthritis or we have to deal with the reality of diabetes. For some of us, the the illness is psychological as we wrestle with depression or anxiety. For some of us, the illness is addiction as we wrestle to break free of our need for that which damages us. For some of us, the reality is more immediate. We pray for Donna W. as she has a full knee replacement scheduled for tomorrow. Guide the doctors and her recovery. We ask that she will walk freely again. We pray for Mark and Lillian and others who are dealing with having had COVID and having long-term repercussions. We pray for those who are struggling with just seasonal ailments. You are the great physician, Lord. Heal us. And as we look at this world, we see so many needs. A divided nation, split between red and blue, right and left. Lord, heal this land. Bring us together again. Bless the political leaders in this polarized nation as they are called to work together for the good of all. Develop that spirit in the hearts that they may be servants and not masters. We pray for the church and for Atlantic Northeast, classes, Atlantic Northeast as it gathers this Wednesday in a regional gathering. We ask that you will guide the deliberations and bring wisdom and support to the congregations in New York and New England. And finally, Lord, we pray for your great mission around this world. From our mission here in the Blackstone Valley, to your church's mission around the United States and Canada, to the worldwide mission where your people are called into your presence and those who are not your people are called to become your people. May those who minister, those who are missionaries, and may we all take a place in your great mission. May your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Morning, everyone. My name is Howard DeVries. I'm pastor of Care Ministries here and have been here since nineteen ninety-three to the current time. I'd like to read from the Psalms, Psalm ninety, verses one through twelve, and then drop down to verse seventeen. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, or like the watch in the night Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 or 80 years, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Then dropping down to 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen.
0: Hello, everyone. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, and together this morning we dwell in your house. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. As we look back today, we can see that each and every day the sun has risen over these last 125 years, and along with it, your mercy has been fresh and new each and every day. Today the sun came up again, so we know that just as your mercy was new in each of those days, so it is new in ours. And so we ask, O God, gathered here in your presence, that you would cover us in mercy, that you would... Unfold before us your story, and that you would come in the power of your Spirit and bring light to places that seem dark, that you would bring strength, and that you would guide us. We want to hear from you. So we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This is a special day and it feels like a peculiar honor to be here and up here with you for it. It may look to you like out of 125 years of history, I missed the first 100. But really today, uh, I think that when we look at all of the history piled up in this room, I wonder if it doesn't make all of us feel small." It can be really hard to know what to do with all that history. When the anniversary committee reached for a scripture uh, for today, they reached into history for the, the same scripture that the first people to sit in this room had reached for, in 1929, Psalm 90, verse 1. You, O God, have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. It was on the cake last night, and we see it again here today. It's perfect. Psalm 90 is poetry, and it's prayer worthy of exactly this occasion. But I will grant you, it may not be the first thing you'd expect to find at a birthday party. Usually, when we reach for Psalm 90, it's at the graveside or at New Year's Eve. Usually, when we reach for Psalm 90, it's in the dark, when the days are at their shortest or we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Moses tells us today that each and every one of our lives contains 70 or 80 years' worth of history. Multiply that by every one of us in this room and add to it all those who came before us. How many stories are piled up here? How many hours of council meetings? (laughs) How many boxes of bulletins and cups of coffee and Bible study? How much life? 125 years is a lot of history. It's hard to know what to make of all that history. There's this great cartoon uh, in The New Yorker that I saw a while back. I love The New Yorker cartoons. In this one, it's a hand drawing, right? And a father and a son are standing together outside. Dad is clearly aging, steadied by a walker. His son is middle-aged. They stand together in a driveway, and they're staring at an open garage door. The garage is packed from bottom to top with stuff, an old refrigerator, boxes and stacks of books, old lamps and bags of clothes, a stereo, a television, a VCR, speakers, a table, extension cords, and perched precariously right at the tippy top of the pile, even an old tire. The caption reads, One day, son, all this will be yours. In 70 or 80 years, we accumulate a lot of history, don't we? It's hard to know what to do with all that history, which is why I think most of the time, we just don't open the door. After all, who knows what might come cascading out at us if we did? The preacher Fred Craddock, whom I'm very fond of, right? he tells a story about how he was once summoned to jury duty. This was some years ago, and the Reverend Craddock has since passed away. But in this story, he talks about showing up at 9 o'clock on a Monday morning to the Superior Court of DeClab County, Georgia, for jury selection. 240 people, all with their own histories. And they're all sitting next to each other, and the clerk began to call each of them by name in Craddock notes, The clerk did not have their names in alphabetical order. You had to listen. There were two Bill Johnsons. One was black, one was white, but they were both Bill Johnson. That's interesting. Well, there was a man named Clark who answered when the clerk read, Mrs. Clark, he said, here. She looked up and said, Mrs. Clark. He said, here. She said, Mrs. Clark, he stood up and said, well, I thought the letter was for me, so I opened it. <laughs> and then there was a man named Zerfel Lichenstein. They had to call his name five or six times because they kept mispronouncing it each time. Zerfel Lichenstein. the woman sitting next to Fred leaned over and she whispered, Like in I wonder if he's Jewish. Craddock was feeling uncomfortable, and so he said, well, I don't know. Could be. Does it matter? She said, I am German. My name is Zeller. Craddock said, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, that was 40 years ago. And she said, he and I could be seated next to each other in a jury. Well, Fred said, you you probably were just a child when all of that happened. I was ten years old. I visited grandmother who lived four miles from Buchenwald. I smelled the odor. And the psalmist today says that our history Just a quick glance at it can tell you it's full of trouble by the box full. It's hard to know what to do with all that history. You never know what might tumble out if you go looking around, and yet Psalm 90 seems to want us to dwell on the past. And it occurs to me, it's a strange gift of being human that we can recall the past. You ever think about that? We don't always see it that way. The past can be a very scary place, but it is a gift that we can remember. Though we would much rather dwell on the future. We would rather look forward, always forward as much as possible. Simone Weil was an atheist Jewish philosopher who became a kind of Christian mystic. and Talk about a fascinating history, right? But I digress. Anyway, Simone Weil noticed this tendency that we have, this gift of remembering, but this longing to always want to look forward instead. She noticed that usually when we go looking for hope, we look to the future. She said, we do this, and I happen to think she's right. But she said, we do this because we're looking for something that is better than we are. Because when we look at the past, mostly what we see is failure and disappointment, and where is the hope in that? And so we look to the future because that's where we think the hope is. Now, I can tell you, I just moved from a place that is unbelievably committed to the future. They specialize in the future. They are making the future. They are selling the future. And trust me, they're really optimistic about it, which is good for sales and maybe for everyone. I've got to admit it's getting better, a little better all the time. I don't know, maybe we ought to dwell more on the future, except, well, except Simone Wheel noticed that there's just one little problem with that. No one's been there. She said, we can't find something better than us by looking to the future of us because we're the ones imagining it. The future is empty, and we have to fill it. And so we're all we're really doing is projecting more of our imperfect selves forward. And how much hope can you really have in that? Or the present moment is a mystery. So all we really have is the past. Which is what Psalm 90 has been waiting these last seven minutes for us to realize. Waiting at the door. And Psalm 90 says, why don't we open it? Let's take a look. Psalm 90 wants us to open the door and, and, and to gather up all of our days of disappointment, to gather those dusty memories of failed hopes, the things that are damp with regret, all the things that we've tried to leave dormant and undisturbed as much as we could help it. And then the psalmist says let's go set them before the feet of god who has been our dwelling place through each and every day season and hour and after a long lament looking at an account as honestly as possible of what history is like then in verse 12 the psalmist looks at all of these things These things that we've kept in the dark, the trouble and the sorrow, the things that we believe are charged with God's heavy hand. And the psalmist makes a very simple request. Lord, teach us to number our days. Lord, we want to deny our days. We want to edit our days. We want to stuff them in the closet for a later date. So, Lord, instead teach us how to count them. Friends, it's hard to know what to do with all of that history. Psalm 90 turns it into a prayer. Lord, help us remember. In this time of transition, at a moment for us that is weighty with history, and when the present is foggy, Psalm 90 says, Lord, help us remember. Teach us to look for wisdom by looking back. Because what the psalmist knows is that that, believe it or not, is where the hope lies. Because that is where we find God. By looking for God in the past. I will grant you that a birthday does seem like a strange time to recall it all. seems better to make plans than relive the many sad things that these years have held. And yet God has given us this gift of memory. God has given us this ability to remember and to recall the past. And that seems to be something that we share in common with God, God's self. Because in fact, the story of Scripture, in many ways, if you put it simply, is that we forget, but God remembers. God remembers. God remembers it all. He remembers his promise to Abraham, the one that he made a very, very long time ago. God remembers also all the evil things, all the death and suffering that we feel and visit upon each other. God also remembers that this is not how the world began, that before we learned how to wound, before we learned to hide pain in the closet, before we learned to cover ourselves and to run away, before any of this, God made the world in peace and joy and all really was well. And before even that, before even the mountains were born, God lived in perfect peace and contentment with God's self. God remembers what it was like, and God remembers what we were made for. Not a sad and troublesome history that ends in death, but a whole and happy fellowship with God in life, and more life, and abundant life, and life forever and always. And because God remembers, God made a promise that it will not always be this way. And that's why Jesus came. Because God remembered his promise and our needs. Jesus is the gift of God's remembering. And so Psalm 90 tries to remember all of our history and to pray it to God, who has a much longer memory and a much bigger story. And when we set our history here, we find somehow that somewhere in the midst of the wreckage, there is more than we saw at first— That in the light of this place, things look a little bit differently. That somehow God was there too. For God has been our dwelling place in each generation. In every season of our life, God was there. And sometimes we only see that in hindsight. Death comes to mind at the strangest of times, and it's not easy to remember any of these things. It's not easy to stand on the cusp of year 126 full of unknown and look back to what is known. And yet we remember these things here together. We gather them up in God's presence in the hope that God was somewhere in those times too. So we lay them at God's feet in the hope that in the light of God's faithfulness we will begin to see it for more than it is. And did you notice there that something very interesting happens at this point in the psalm? Having looked intently at our past as thoroughly as we could in the presence of God, all of a sudden... There is this sweeping and surprising twist in the psalm. In verse 15 and 16, the psalmist swings out toward the future, asking God to give us as many days of joy as we have seen of trouble. Give us a future, O God, that is even more full of your work than what we can barely glimpse in the past, so that all our days shine bright with your splendor. God, give us a different future, one that is not full of memories like these, one that is far more than our imperfect projections can cast. And friends, the good and great news is that God already has. God, our dwelling place, came in Jesus to dwell with us. I don't know what the future holds, and neither do you, but I can tell you who will be there when we get there. Jesus, who is already living on the other side of death. And Jesus says that in me, through me, The future looks pretty good. It looks like a place where chaos and roiling seas have been transformed into crystal glass so solid that you can stand and sing praise songs on it. It looks like a place where we don't need to hide from God or anyone anymore because God is all and sees all and is in all and has washed us all and put new clothes on us. The future does look pretty promising in Jesus, for through him we glimpse what home is really like, a place full of many rooms and everything's already ready. It looks like a place where there is no more death and disappointment. And just now, that future starts to look just a little more clear. Looking at it through Jesus, it starts to seem so real that why... We can almost taste it. It tastes like bread and wine. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord God, your ways are different than our ways. Your ways are higher than our ways, but they are also strange. We believe you that in looking back, we will find more than we thought was there at the time. We also believe that you want us to do this so that we will more quickly come to the end of ourselves and so be open to looking around for something we could never make or do on our own. We ask that you would bring us to this place so that we might more readily, more faithfully, more hopefully lift up our eyes looking for help that comes from the mountains, open our hands, and receive it. Amen. Brothers and sisters, would you rise in body or in spirit and let's sing. Oh God, our help in ages past. gathered into God's presence together, reminded of his story, we have not had to travel very far at all for a taste, a glimpse of the future. In fact, I just had to walk from there to here. And that's a reminder in a very small way that God has already done everything that is necessary for us to take this meal. And so, friends, all we have to do is open our hands and receive it. All is ready. Let's eat. When we do so, uh, during this season in particular, we are wanting to spread gospel and not virus. And so, as we take the elements, we're going to do so together using prepackaged containers. Hopefully, you received one on your way in. Uh, For the folks at home, uh, I hope that your elements are ready as we get started. Um, And just as a reminder, uh, we know that this does not seem like very much, right? Right? But like our history, there is more than we see at first happening in this little bit of juice and in this little bit of bread because God's Spirit is here. And so God takes this little bit of bread and this little bit of juice and turns it into a great big meal of faith. So friends, let's eat. You ready? Here we go. Friends, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Pray with me, covenanting God, you declared your wonders in the heavens, but you made known your character in calling a people. You shaped your people's life through Elijah, Jeremiah, and the prophets. Then in Jesus, you made yourself fully known to us. In his death and resurrection, you healed the past through forgiveness. And you released the future through the gift of eternal life. In the power of your spirit, you called your church into being, never closer to you than when we gather at this table. As we long to gather at your heavenly feast with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we say together the words of your unending praise, declaring, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Abiding God, you are our dwelling place in every generation. Sheltering us under your wings, gathering us into your family in Jesus, who is your greatest expression of faithfulness to us. We ask that you would send down your Holy Spirit now to continue in and through us your story of salvation And so that these things of bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, at supper with his disciples, gave us this memorial of his sacrifice before he suffered. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it. and He gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is for you. When you do this, do this to remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, This cup, this cup is the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Friends, great is the mystery of faith. Embracing God, you invite us to love you by loving our neighbors. Write your way of life on our hearts. Fill your children with the zeal of the prophets. Show your people how to love both in word and action. Bring us into your presence on the last day, and hasten us to that time when every tear is dried from every eye, and all secrets are revealed and transformed by your glory, and joy in your presence is our only song, and you are all in all. Amen. Friends, congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love Him and who trust in Him alone for their salvation. All who are sorry for their sins, who sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who desire to live in obedience to Him are invited now to come to this table with gladness. For friends, this is the table of the Lord and these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Would you go ahead and take your elements? Turn them over so it's bread side up. Let's open it together. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Bless you. When you're ready go ahead and turn your uh, your plate over it becomes a cup. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember and believe that the bo- the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. take this meal, we are adjoining a family that has been gathering at tables like these for generations. And so it is right and fitting that doing that, we should also let some of the words that have come from our ancestors rush over us, that as they come through the room, we can add our voices to them. I'm going to invite Pastor Derek to come up and to lead us in... um, the Apostles' Creed.
2: I'm Derek Zyle. I had the privilege of serving here from 2011 to 2018. And it's my privilege to invite us to rise now in body or in spirit. And as Pastor Matthew just said, let's ground our stories in the story that has been recited here for 125 years and will continue to be recited, as we join with all the saints in professing our faith, using the words of the Apostle Creed, as we say together, I, I believe in, in God the Father Almighty, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord,
3: who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and the Lord
6: Please be seated for just a moment. I am John Weigers, pastor of this church, 1984-1992. We come now to what we call the benediction. You're used to that every Sunday morning. You get the benediction. Before I give you the benediction, may I introduce you with a little story that happened during my ministry here. I developed a habit of entering church Sunday morning before, as worship began, by walking through that door. I don't know if you know, if you've ever seen the door, but there is a little door there that that goes into a very small room that was called at that time the deacon's room. Anyway, I'm always very, very nervous when I had to preach. And so as I stood behind the door, still closed, I took some deep breaths and whatever was my mood at that morning, but it was always on a nervous side, so I'd always have a quick prayer to the Lord, help me, help me, help me, and things of that nature. And then I would listen to the organ, there was the organ. I would listen and kind of judge, not being a musician at all, but kind of judging when was that prelude do, done and just before the end of the prelude, I wanted to walk through that door and go behind the pulpit. That particular morning, I kind of misjudged because I opened that door before the organ, be right after the organ was done. And so as I opened the door, it is deadly quiet in church. I mean, no sounds at all. I understand there was a little conversation between a mother and her, I'm guessing, three years old. Something like that. And she had, the little boy apparently was a bit loud. I don't know if that's the word. But he talked out loud in church, and mom says, shh, this is God's house. Don't talk. That, of course, I had not known was happening, but uh, later on I understood. As I now opened that door, the organ has already been quiet. It is dead silent. The boy spots me coming through that door, walking toward the pulpit, and says for everybody to hear,
3: there's God!
6: (laughs) I need not give you proof that I'm not God. (laughs) Not then, not now. But I have the great privilege... Of speaking for him in this benediction, the final blessing. Not, dear people, this is not to official no end service. Oh yeah, here's a benediction. Now we're gonna go home. The benediction is one of the most beautiful things of the entire worship service. If you got nothing else out of the service the singing, the preaching, whatever it was, there's always the benediction, the blessing of God, the one that looks ahead now for the next week. The faithfulness of God has been celebrated in in, in the past week, every week, but now we look ahead and we bang on God. And I give you his promise for the future, for next week, for you as a church, and for each of us individually. Please open your hearts. And I must say this much the benediction really, really. Came to mean so much to me me. after 40 years of giving it, and then I retired and we went back to church where we are members now, and that pastor told us and taught us, people of God, receive, receive the blessing of God. That means. He says to us, Please, put your hands in front of you. Don't let it just be, Okay, let's have a benediction and let's go home. Please put your hands in front of you and receive that marvelous, marvelous blessing of God. His assurance for tomorrow and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives, individually and for you as a church. Now, would you please stand? and i'm going to give you that blessing that we receive in my home church every sunday morning. without fail it's the same blessing. but it's the most beautiful blessing. back in the book of numbers number uh, verse 6 of uh, of number 6. number 6, i'm sorry. and i i'm, I'm always opened this book because i'm so afraid that i I'm, I'm going to miss something if i re- if i'm re- relying on my own brain. so I'm going to have to look once again. But here it is, dear people. I'm going to take this off. May I stand next to you? Thank you. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. And be gracious to you. The Lord. Turn his face. Towards you. Not away from you. Not because he is. Angry or disappointed. Whatever. In his people. But he turns his face. Towards you. His people. And he gives you peace. And then there's another verse. I know you only receive one benediction at a time every Sunday. But since it's a special day, I'm going to give you two. (laughs) And the reason is because I'm so often struggling when I preach. Shall I take number six? Or shall I take Zephaniah? Zephaniah 3.17. Mm. It's a beauty. To me it is another beauty. But it gives us the assurance who God is for us and who we are to him. So when you go home now, keep your hands in front of you if you feel comfortable doing that. And receive a second blessing. And it reads... The Lord God is with you. He is mighty to save. The next line. It's gorgeous. He takes great delight in you. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe taking delight in you personally. In this church, not just for the last 125 years, but for every day to come. He takes great delight in you. He quiets you with his love. And he rejoices over you with singing. What a promise for today and tomorrow and every day for church Pleasant Street. And for you individually, for all of us. He delights in you. Oh, it's, it's unimaginable to me. But it's the truth. And I spoke for him. To you. God bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.